Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. I want to talk about uh, what he's considered. So I've just come back from a trip from um, US, and you know, th th there's a conversation in the market that um, there there's, there's, there's some change coming, and we're at the back end of what is known as a um, the longest bull run in history, right? So a bull run is when the economy is, is heating up and it's going up in many places around the world. So the caveat on this message is I'm not sharing this to spook anyone or, or, or create any um, fear in the room. I'm just sharing this so that we are continuously being more aware. So since 1835, and you can take a photo of this slide if you wish, because it's some really good reference points. Since 1835, typically when a bull run comes to an end, it ends up being a bear. There's three types of bear when we refer to it in, econ in, in economies. There is a cub, there is a bear, and there's a grizzly. So over the last 100, almost 200 years, this is what typically happens when a bear market hits. In other words, a downturn in the market. Now, again, I'm not sharing this to create any fear in the room. I'm sharing this to ensure that you're thinking, because the power we have in this room is we are small, medium enterprise. In other words, we have ability to be flexible. We have ability to so be nimble and so be quick as to what needs to happen. So, Typically, the prediction is we're moving into a bear market, which is the second one, and the average for the downturn is about 40-odd months with approximately 60 or 70 months to correct. So the next four to five years could be, could be a little challenging. Now, you don't want to wait till the eye of the storm occurs to be realising, what the hell am I doing? You start thinking as if the change has happened now and you start putting mechanisms in place now. Does that make sense? So your ability to think this through, plan it through, ensure that your team and yourself are optimising the activities that continuously ensure that your quote register, your work in progress, your cash flow management is optimised, while your competitors are running for the hills, you are picking up market share. There are plenty and thousands of examples of small, medium enterprise, small businesses that have actually gone another level when the market turns the way it's predicted it might be turning in the next year or two. Does that make sense? Personally, I've gone through three cycles of a bear market. One of them wiped out my parents entirely, and we rebuilt that. It took us 10 years to rebuild it. There it is. That was a structural change when that one occurred which is the grizzly. Many countries in the world in 2008, as we would all be aware, the GFC, Australia did not, was not as impacted as many other countries in the world have taken 10 years to get through the rubble that was created back then. Again, I'm sharing this not to create fear or hysteria, but to just demonstrate the importance of critical thinking, strategic thinking, and being a little more chosen in who it is that you are hunting down to be your current client, your future client, and the opportunity that will be to be attracting A-grade players who will be joining your team who 
who are leaving businesses for which the owners and the CEOs fell asleep. Does that make sense? I'm sharing this. You are aware. We'll keep on talking about this, particularly if you're clients of ours, we'll keep on talking about this. And we're going to continue to build plans that are bulletproof. Is that cool? So I want you to just take that on board as we move into the planning elements of today so that you are keeping front of mind your ability to create a geofence between what could be out of your control and what is in your control. Are we cool? All right. I want to share something called the constraint theory. So as, as part of our, um, our responsibility for all our clients, our responsibility for our community, for which every one of you are part and parcel of that, our responsibility is not only to say, how are we growing this business, which is an awesome conversation to have. That is such an exciting conversation. How are we growing this? How are we optimising this? How are we elevating this? That is such an awesome conversation to have. But in reality, the real question is, how are we mitigating risk? How are we zeroing in on what could be an overdose of procrastination on your part to not be making any decision at all so we're not doing anything, we're sort of in status quo? Ultimately, how are we mitigating risk? How are we removing obstacles? How are we confirming what might be my constraint, what might be my, my roadblock, what might be my obstacle, and ensuring that we're constantly, constantly thinking through as, as professional business owners, leaders and CEOs that we are, to continuously be building the what-ifs scenarios. So I'm just going to share something with you. This is the first time we're sharing this. It's a, it's a whole new level of thinking on our behalf, but it's really simple, which is why I love it, right? So the constraint theory. If only we had... If only we had, we could deliver on our production. If only we had we could optimise our utilisation. So the if only we had is a resourcing question. If only we had. So if you confirm where your roadblock, your obstacle, where your challenge is, where your constraint is, a really good question to ask yourself with no one judging you is if only we had, and then there's a couple of blanks after that, that's a resourcing question. So on your notes, in your, in your workbook, make sure you're writing this down because this does not turn up again for the rest of the day, right? But this is how I need you to be thinking in 2019 because this is going to be the difference between you being in the top 10%, top 5% in your class versus the bottom 70, 75 that are going to be in a, in a lot of turbulence in the next 12 to 24 months, right? If only we had. The, sec the second question is, if only we could, we would be able to sell, we would be able to deliver, we would be able to maximise our profitability, if only we could, which is a skills question. So there's two questions as leaders in your business you need to be thinking about, what is the resourcing, what is the resourcing answer, what is the skill answer? Right? What is the resourcing, if only we can, if only we add, if only we can, if only we could, are the two questions that help you move through the constraint or the obstacle or what may be in your way to have the next best six months, 12 months, 24 months, next five years. So your ability to keep on building a muscle where you could see a little further as to where is the roadblock for my business? Where is the choke point for my business and what am I doing about it? 
you're going to be in a much better position to solve problems before they become massive problems, right? Ultimately, when you do solve a problem, and this is the adult world, I mean, it just never ends. When you do solve a problem or you solve a constraint, it will create another constraint. So always be aware that the business never stops having what is going to be the next challenge or the next choke or the next obstacle that needs to be mitigated. Your responsibility is to be really excited about answering, as a start, those two type of questions. What is the resourcing needed? What is the skill set needed? Many of you in this room have great people, great team, awesome, awesome human beings on your team. But the question I ask for you, not only in regards to them, but also you as a, an important employee in your business, where, where have we allowed a little bit of complacency to set in? Where have we removed the stoking and the inspiration to let's go one step higher, one step better? What are we elevating? What are we optimising? Where have you settled that may just need the skill question a little challenged right now? Because what got you here, in fairness, won't get you there. Where are you creating a little bit of uncomfortable in where we need to go next? Dare me say, are you one of the constraints in the business? I guess for many of you that have you know, business benchmark group, Damien, myself, the team, the extended team, you know, we have CPAs in our business now that are reviewing your uh, balance sheets and your, your, your P&Ls and we're providing, going to be providing reports for you on a monthly basis so that our business optics goes through the roof. What are you doing? What are you doing to continue to stoke your team, yourself, to ensure we're continuously elevating our opportunity? Do you know, at the end of every year, myself and my wife, Terry, and I, we review. You know, we review what were the mistakes that could have been avoided? What was the dumb tax that could have been avoided in the year that just finished? And, and typically, we come, to, we come back to about three or four, five key areas that we constantly consider are areas we need to keep on gaining greater levels of mastery. One of them are assumptions. Our assumptions were totally wrong. We didn't really stress test what were our assumptions. So that is a skill test. You know, what are your assumptions right now for your business, your, your organisation and what's happening next and what is it that perhaps you need to start thinking a little deeper and a much more critical level so that your assumptions are a little more concrete. Secondly, our questions can be of a higher quality. We, 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 we are making decisions in a much faster pace than we ever have and therefore our curiosity is nowhere near as deep. You know, we see that as a mistake that we, we are improving on, but we need to keep on building a muscle around that. So where are, the, where, where are your high-quality questions? Where are your team's high-quality questions? How do you allow curiosity to be a, a, a significant function of your business? How are you allowing that? Or do you need to have the answers to everything in your business? Remember, in this room, you are not the founder. You are the CEO. You are an employee at the highest level in your business. We are $1 million investors in your business and we demand progress. Just think about that. So high quality questions is an area that I, I understand and in our, in our review as recent as four or five weeks, we could be better at that. 
Our resistance to consider second and third and fourth order consequence. What will be the, the, the ripple of this decision? What happens next? What happens next? Our ability to be a little quick and not think it through or not go as deep has cost us dumb tax. So again, I'm just sharing, right? That's all I'm doing. So there are three key areas that I and Terry, which you know, is my wife, we constantly review at the end of every year. We say, okay, what were the decisions that we made that could have been made better? What were the questions that weren't asked, but if they were asked, would have led to greater insight, greater wisdom, and therefore a better plan? And, and, and the last and not least is, where did we allow emotion to be the reason why we did something versus... How did we slow that down to go fast? Where did we allow emotion to be the catalyst of our decision making versus why didn't we go with logic and ultimately slow something down so that we could go fast? So the whole slowing down in various areas of your uh, decision making is critical to eliminating constraints, confirming what the obstacles or the choke points may be and therefore avoiding the dreaded dumb tax. Right? So just a little bit of expansion point on the constraints theory. And again, just the discipline of review, reflect, and reset, which is what we're here to do today. Every business, every business has a leader. Those lead, every leader has a responsibility, a critical responsibility to be making decisions. Those decisions always lead to activities, and activities will always end up in a result. The result's either going to be a positive result or a not-so-positive result. I cannot emphasise the importance of understanding this sequence. Most of you have seen it for about 100 times and you'll see it for another 100 times. The reason being the onus is back on you. If you're chosen to be in this room as, as a representative of the business and you're not the owner, you are a leader. You'll notice that first word is not owners, it's leaders. If you are the owner of your business, you are a leader. Leaders make decisions that lead to activities. Those activities always end up being a result that shows up specifically on the balance sheet and on many other scoreboards. Scoreboards is what creates engagement between you and the rest of the team. Scoreboards. Optics is what creates intimacy and engagement between you and the rest of your team. How many of you, got, how many of you have scoreboards and they don't necessarily need to be profit and loss and, and balance sheet type scoreboards, they're activity-based scoreboards to confirm are we or are we not winning the game? Are we or are we not on track with what we are optimising as a target? So leaders make decisions. Decisions lead to activities. Activities lead to results that are either good or not so good. They're either working or not working. Pretty simple. The moment you keep on being honest about what is working and what is not working, you're in a best position to be correcting and ultimately correcting the decision. That's where it all, that's where the money comes and that's where the money goes. Every business has resources, assets, people, goodwill, uh, database, machinery, um, IP, um, existing customers, customers that could be um, taken on niche market for which we've built systems for, they're assets in your business. Assets are only responsible for one thing, and that is to deliver sales. Sales from the asset is known as how effective, how effective is leadership and management at turning our assets into sales. You get scored on that. 
You as leaders in this room, in this business that you represent here today, get scored on how effective are you at creating sales from your assets, right? As sales have one responsibility and that's to deliver a profit. You get scored on as leadership, as membership, as, as, um, as, as management, you get scored on how, how efficient is management and ensuring that we are delivering a profit from our sales. So you get scored on that. And ultimately, assets deliver sales, sales deliver profit, and profit is no good if it's on paper. It has to be settled in the bank. And for whatever, for whatever is your business and what your terms of trade are, you've got to get better. Every one of us needs to get better at making sure that the money for the service or product that you delivered is landing in the bank as was agreed. So that might be a yellow post-it note right there, right? Terms of trade to be reviewed, right? Or tightening up the accounts um, receivable activities. KPIs versus critical drivers. Now, KPIs are, are definitely a, an outcome, it's a result. Critical drivers are the activities that help us create the result. I will say this, critical drivers can be KPIs and KPIs can be critical drivers. But when it's all done and dusted, you must be clear about what are the results that we are striving for and what are the broken bits, the activities, the tasks, the responsibilities that need to be done on a daily, weekly, monthly basis so that we are giving ourselves the best chance at achieving and overachieving our KPIs or our results. I will say, some of us can get a little confused what is a KPI versus a critical driver. And I'm here to say your critical drivers can be KPIs and your KPIs can be critical drivers. But when it all comes down to the crunch, you better be clear what is responsible for the role that has an outcome attached to it so that not only you, but the person, individual or functionary in your business are, are clear about what is the result that needs to be optimised. And then you break it down into the steps, the yellow brick road that confirms how we get to Oz, which is the result, right? So we'll talk a bit more about that throughout the morning. Being strategic versus tactical. Strategic is where we elevate our thinking and look at it from a top-down perspective. What is the pivot or the shaping of my business in the next three months, six months, 12 months? That is strategic. That's about holistically what needs to be a movement, a, a redirection or, a, or a, an advancement on what it is that you're working on. That is strategic. The word strategic is overused in the market right now. Tactical, on the other hand, is the broken down bits and pieces. Like if I need, if, if my strategic goal is we need to have net 150 clients in the next 12 months and we're currently at net 101. So that's a positive net gain of 49 clients. If that's my strategic goal in the next 12 months, then my tactical would be Okay, let's build an appointment setting team. Let's run more business breakthrough workshops. Let's, let, let's make it easy for people to buy by giving them a book or that's all tactical. Does that make sense? 
That is the bits and pieces that give me the best chance to achieve the, the strategic outcome that I'm looking for by timeline. So there's a distinct difference between being strategic and being tactical. I need you guys, for those of you that continue to build, to build the muscle on this, keep on being curious. Is this strategic or is it tactical? Right? Tactical typically comes back to activities. Strategic comes down to outcomes that are a little bit more longer in the play, right? Three key areas of business, lead flow, workflow, cash flow. In every business, these are the three most important parts of your business. Now, every time you hear this, I want you to keep on elevating your distinction on this. I don't want you to have seen this for the fourth, fifth, tenth, twentieth time and think, oh, I know that. No, you don't. I don't know it, and I've, I've used this a thousand times. Your ability to ensure that sales and marketing and operations and finance are even tighter and tighter together. Your ability to keep on building structure and predictability between these three areas so they are so tight for which that middle bit in the middle called profit and efficiency and effectiveness continues to spit out as if you were not needing any more than just the resource, the asset that you have to get the best squeeze possible in your business. It's when we have one of those areas or two of those areas totally dysfunctional to the other where we are losing the juice in our business. Your ability to be totally across lead flow, workflow and cash flow and understand it as if it was a conveyor belt. If we're not loading up on our quote register within our ideal target market and we're encouraging through a sales process that is diligently engineered and followed through and continuously improved so that you're making it easier for people to buy. If you're not building that part of your business, which is the first part of the conveyor belt, then ultimately your workflow, your work in progress is going to have ebbs and flows, which means your invoicing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis is going to be up and down and therefore your cash flow is going to be no different to up and down. And if you're paying overhead in a down cash flow, um, I guess, period, Guess what happens to your profitability? It erodes. So your responsibility is to be really clear about putting a lot of effort and energy into your lead flow in the ideal target market, not just anyone, in ensuring that you deliver on a daily, weekly basis in workflow through people and resources that are going to be better than you and ultimately be ensuring that your, your fundamentals in finance, your numbers, your ratios, your indicators, your scoreboards, your optics as something that's going to be your, 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 your biggest muscle ever in business. Because the CEOs and leaders in your business, it is the scoreboard that confirms how effective and how efficient you are. Playing pin the tail on the donkey with your business is not allowed anymore, particularly in what is considered to be uncertainty in the market going forward. We do not want to be hearing from any one of you, oh, I've got a cash flow problem, didn't realise it. That's called ignorance. Every one of you needs to build the muscle called cash flow. Every one of you need to understand the influence of cash flow comes from how much work in progress, when are we delivering, ultimately, who are we attracting and putting into our workflow and delivering. So that is the sequence. Ultimately, overarching all this is how will the business flow? What is, what is it that you are needing to elevate, optimise, improve, maybe cut out in the next six, 12 months to ensure you are building a business that continuously flows. Where are the constraints? Where are the obstacles? Where are the risks? What are we doing about that?
All in all, if you keep on mastering your ability to be thinking your business all the way through, lead flow, workflow, cash flow, delivers profit flow, for which we want to protect that like a fat kid on a smarty, which then confirms that we have the ability for dream flow, which means your business can continue to grow. Your business can continue to grow and everything it deserves, you will keep on reinvesting back into it as it will also deliver for you, whether it's your career or your business, what you need and what you aspire to on a personal level. It's the way it goes. You can't have dream flow before profit flow because that's called the credit card and debt. And money in the bank makes you bulletproof. Do we understand that? Right? So these are just things that I just want to just position with everyone so we're clear about our thinking, our reset going forward, our review and reflection from what just happened in the last six to 12 months. These are the five, the five phases of business. Ultimately, every one of us starts as being the best operator. We're there going to be a, a better manager. Ultimately, we, we wish to be a better owner. And ultimately, we want to end up in the place called investor. That's what the five phases of business allows us to do. And it's on the back of being really courageous to be building a business that's better than you, allowing people around you to be better than you. Ensure that the skill base in your business continues to be elevated. Continue being a, a student of critical and strategic thinking. Where is the risk that needs to be mitigated? Where is the opportunity that needs to be seized? One of the greatest questions you can keep on asking yourself is, what are we optimising? That is one of the greatest questions. That is one of the greatest questions you could be asking yourself. What are we optimising? What are we putting our attention to? Six pillars of business, operations, finance, marketing, sales, customer loyalty and team, business flow, lead flow and cash flow. If I'm building a team that ensures the customer service is over and beyond the expectation of what people purchased and or bought from us, we will hold on to clients. If I have a team that doesn't get churned and burned, in other words, I can hold on to, I can recruit A players, keep A players, graduate A players, I have minimal churn in my business, I'm now building a business, not a job. Right? Don't be scared of hiring and growing your team be, be, be scared of hiring and growing a team with no thought process that goes into that. Once you get your thought process clear, then there are fantastic, fantastic individuals and people that need to be on your team out there. And in the next six to 12 months, there's going to be even more of them because they were working for someone that didn't hear this message. Okay? For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 038001 If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.